It's Sam Poe on the stand side of Fohey at the second half. Fohey lands in the lead by Havilek and goes on from Sam Hello and welcome to episode 4 of We're Going Chasing. I'm James and once again here I'm joined by Killian. Killian, how are you doing? Good now James, not too bad. Uh, nice quiet week so far after the after the weekend so it was badly needed. Yeah, it was a, it was a good weekend's racing. Yeah, we were down in Punchestown there Saturday. There was a nice crowd of us, about 22 or 3 went down in the bus. Um... Good days for backing horses anyway, like we had a few winners, drank a few pints, like you couldn't ask for much more than that. Yeah, it wasn't a day to get too complicated with things really, was it? Um, I know we both did okay there, but I suppose seven races, five favourites came in and, and two short price second favourites as well. Yeah, I suppose if you were if you're a favourite backer, you'd, you'd have a good day. Like um, I think it was a sort of day for not, not trying to look for any value in a couple of them handicaps and just, just backing the winner really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, sort of the race in England fell apart a small bit. Like, if you were to wake up there Saturday morning and have a look at the cards, you think you were going to be in for a great day of it, but uh, it sort of fell apart. Yeah, the, the race in England didn't really materialise as people would have thought um, Saturday morning or Thursday when the declarations were in, but I think you just live and learn there. Like, don't be planning around a superstar looking at him for the day. <laughs> we'll touch a bit more uh, on that race in England and the way it fell apart a bit, I suppose, uh, later on in the podcast. So, Killian, starting off with Punchestown on Saturday, uh, absolute notions to get us going. What did you make of it? Yeah, he, he gave a fair performance. Uh, I thought at the, from looking at his bumper last year, he had plenty of speed. Um, he won over two miles three and a bit there Saturday like he, he looked he looked to be in serious bother turning in um, I suppose 100 yards after they turned in looked to be in awful bother uh, was sort of headed there and geez he battled back really well and one going away um, you definitely wouldn't be surprised to see him being up to trip at some stage I'd imagine they'll stick to in around two and a half miles for now but he looks a fair prospect he's very hardy horse obviously he's a turn of foot then as well so um, he's one to look forward to for the rest of the season. Yeah, I was I was very impressed with his attitude. Um, like you said, he he looked bet he was headed and uh, just battled on very well and won won going away then in the end by by about four lengths or that. Um, so that's that's a nice one for Rob Core. Again, I'd agree with you. Um, he won't be going down on trip anyway. You know, he'll be. You'd imagine if he's if he's good enough, it'll be Ballymore or it'll be the Albert Bartlett. Um, I suppose time will tell, uh, and we'll see how he progresses throughout the year to see exactly how good he is and and what trip suits him best. Queensbrook, it was a bit of a match. She turned around the form with um that that other mayor. Uh, heaven help us. Heaven help us. That's the one. What did you make of that? Yeah, I think the race was ran to suit for Queensbrook. Um, heaven help us. Gave her a good lead into it for a long way and Jack just sort of sat there and waited for his time and pounced then. Um, I wouldn't read too much into it. Like there's, She's going to have bigger fish to fry later on in the season. Um, there's better mares around than, than heaven help us, really. So I wouldn't be 
I wouldn't be running to back her for a mare's hurdle off the back of that now. She probably will run well in her mare's hurdle again, but yeah, I'd say I'd say hold tight to see what, what the likes of Love Envoy and a few other of them mares from last year novices do when they go into open company. Yeah, Gordon indicated uh, towards the start of the year there that he was going to be taking his time with Queensbrook and she'd sort of improve with every run um, as the season went on. So, you know, he'll be quite pleased to to see that uh, she won quite, quite causally in the end. But uh, as you said, certainly bigger fish to fry. That brings us on to another Gordon Elliott horse, Jungle Pros, up £40 in three races now and uh, won very nicely again at the weekend. Will, does he have another win in him, do you reckon? Yeah, won very easily the weekend. Like, you see, going up £40, it's sort of Ronan McNally stuff, isn't it? Like, three runs, three wins, couldn't be any easier. It's, do you know who I feel sorry for? It's uh, Nick Gifford Racing Syndicate. Uh, they owned the horse when he trained him. Uh, it's now, I'm pretty sure it's switched to another syndicate. Um, and they're having, they're having some time with this horse. So, it'd be hard to see, see it going again. But you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't doubt Gordon Elliott at any stage, would you? No, it, uh, if you had quite an average horse too, it wouldn't be a bad plan to send him to a small a small yard, we'll say. Um, you know, maybe handpick a trainer who you mightn't have too much confidence in, leave him there for a year and then send him to gardens, you know, because uh, the improvement he gets out of him is unreal. Uh, you know, if I, if I had quite an average horse, I'd say that could be the way I'd be going. <laughs> um, yeah, but... Sh- very disappointing I suppose for the for the previous owners and that but look uh, what can you do and again we're not moving away from Gordon Delta Work another one similar to Absolute Notions I thought Delta Work was going to be in a small bit of bother and uh, then he just stayed on very strongly towards the end yeah he's he's probably a horse that needs a run or two to get fully right Um, I know this was a cross country chase or whatever against Horses rated way inferior to him on chase ratings, but like if you'll remember, he went to Down Royal two years in a row on seasonal debut and got absolutely stuffed. Like I know that's in a grade one, but he probably does need need a run to get fit. Um, yeah, he sh- he showed great attitude. I think I saw on Twitter a few people were saying the cross country course in Punchestown is a bit more difficult than the Cheltenham one as well. So. Like you can't you can't oppose him for that race, um he's an absolute superstar. Like his the attitude he showed, beating Tiger Roll last year. Um, I think he's just he's 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 immense. And Jigginstown are going to get another winner with him in March. I'd say. Yeah, and um, you know, obviously there in second he had singing banjo. Um, you know what uh, what a year he had last year too, and he's he's twelve now, twelve or thirteen. Um, but I wasn't quite disappointed to see that he had left uh, Rotwells because he was actually doing very well with him um, now he did to be fair he had his best race in post rating um, of his career last weekend he was one four two. I think his best that I could see before that was one three eight. but um, usually like I actually really enjoyed following singing banjo last year and you know willing him on every time he ran but whatever it was I don't know if it was the change of change of trainer, well that's what it was. I don't know. I was quite happy to see Delta Work go and beat him. <laughs> yeah, I think the the owner has decided that he's he's going to train him. He's down as the owner and trainer there, uh, J P Walsh. So, I'd imagine he just said, "Look, I've I've a twelve year old here. There probably isn't much racing left in him. 
I'd give it a swing myself. Fair play to him. He ran a good race, but yeah, I was a bit disappointed to see to see Philip Rothwell lose the horse. I, like he was, he gave some great interviews last year and the year before when seeing banjo was winning. So it's a bit disappointing to see him gone out that. But I suppose the owner pays the bills. Yeah, to be fair, actually, I hadn't realised now until you flighted it with me there that it was the owner um, who was training him. So uh, that 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 would change my viewpoint on it a bit. That brings us on to possibly the story of the weekend, or, well, we've got a few more stories to get through, but we'll say a more positive story of the weekend. Uh, Darren's Hope uh, beat Manila Croner. I was quite sweet on Manila Croner here last week. I thought that wherever he went, he had two entries at Beginner's Chase um, and this grade two. I thought wherever he went, he'd he'd win. Um... But Darren's Hope, you know, I don't know if you saw Bob Murphy's interview afterwards, but it was a great interview. And uh, I suppose it's nice to see, you know, just a, a small, smaller trainer doing well for himself. Yeah, definitely great to see. As you said, he bred the horse, he owns the horse, he trains the horse. Um, dairy farmer there down the country, like I'd say race and TV were debating putting subtitles on him when he was talking when he did the interview <laughs> because I'd say a lot of the English wouldn't have a clue what that man was saying but yeah she was very game she got headed after the last and came back and, and beat him ahead and I'd say if they went further she'd have, she'd have won by more like I was sweet on Manila Crooner as well I thought he'd have he'd have the class to win a race like this um, especially with um, with the non-runners the devil's coachman in the morning Um so it was probably a small bit disappointing for connections of him that he got beat. Like if you put it this way, if he ran against Darren's Hope in a beginner's chase last Sunday and got beat, they'd be very disappointed. So I know there was a lot of positivity that all oh, was first run in a grade two, but if you look at it that way too. Yeah, very true. And I, I had high hopes for Manila Crooner. I almost put him in the in our tent to follow. So um, look, we'll we'll see how he goes, but he's he's bound to improve for it anyway. Uh, one would expect on to the Morgiana so uh, Stateman you know he he was quite good you know I don't think I really got that wow factor off him but he did what he needed to do and he did it quite causally in the end what do you reckon yeah I saw a lot of people give out about his jumping that it wasn't champion hurdle spec um, I'd like people to cast their mind back about two years a horse called Honeysuckle and look at her jumping because it was similar to that it was very middling and she's won two champion hurdles his jumping is obviously going to improve he's only five so like there's going to be plenty of improvement in him uh, he's a massive engine like I don't know is he good enough to beat Honeysuckle or Constitution Hill this year but he's got he's some size he's going to make probably a great chaser down the line so I think there's a lot to look forward to about him. Maybe not for this season, but definitely going forward. Yeah, and then just thinking back to last year, isn't it mad how he was 1-4-1 the county hurdle? He's probably rated about 160 now, more than 160 after that. I think he was 1-5-9 going into the weekend, so he probably go up to maybe 163, 164. Um, you know what what value he was there for punters Adam, last year of 1-4-1 in the county? Yeah, I think um, they've actually changed the rule against that now that you have to run at least three times or four times maybe in to get it qualified for the handicaps in Cheltenham. It was, I suppose they're calling it the Willie's cheating rule. Um, <laughs> you can't you can't have two runs. Like he fell at Christmas, won a maiden hurdle and chucked in. Like it wouldn't have mattered if he was off 147 that day. He probably still would have won. He would have found more under pressure, you know. So 
Um, that's a, a new rule change that I suppose people need to look at when they're back in anti-post as well, that you need to have a certain number of qualifying runs to get into the handicaps. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's a fair point, and it's probably no harm really. Um, you know, it's probably fair all round if they do have three or four runs. I'm not sure which it is, but uh, that's that's probably a, a change for the better, which is uh, probably few and far between when it comes to the BHA. And to she wears it well, you know, Upton trip. I was I was looking at it before the race, and I was quite hesitant about her, wondering if the three miles would suit her. But uh, my God, did it suit her! Yeah, it did. I think they've seemingly found her trip now. I think I said it last week that I'd sort of fancy her in this Pretems qualifier. Um, like, there was a lot of talk about her for mayor's hurdles and mayor's novice hurdles in the past. and Off 130-something there, she's... 137, yeah. 137, yeah. So, she gave a fair performance. She was very gutsy. I know she only won by a neck, but she battled on well. And I don't know, Pretems winners of qualifiers can't win the race like you they've never happened so you'd imagine she won't book that trend but she is a nice horse and it's good that they finally found the trip for her yeah and then just looking at Cork there's really only one horse that I'd be picking out I suppose it's what unites us was good but I suppose the real one worth talking about was Irish Point I was very impressed with him what a what a debut over hurdles you know and he wasn't really asked too many questions no, he wasn't. It was it was a pretty good performance. I thought his jumping will improve for the next day. Um, look, he won a Grade One bumper in France, so he's obviously very high class. So I think, looking back at our Rob Core interview, Rob had sort of said he was one he was really looking forward to. Um, maybe not this season, but the coming season that he's he's quite a light frame still. So I'd imagine that Gordon will take his time with that horse, and yeah, he looks a serious prospect though. Yeah, looks a looks a proper two miler to me. Um, you know, cause just once Davy did ask him, you know, uh, to to just kick on a small bit, he did it with ease, and he he looks to be quite fast. Um, you know, so I I'd be looking forward to him. Uh, this year, you know, I'd say he'd be lining up in the supreme. All things going well. Touch wood. <laughs> Okay, Killian, that brings us on to England. Uh, a lot of talking points there over the weekend. Probably not great talking points. A lot of them surround non-runners. Constitution Hill, Edward Stone, Lampress. Where do you want to start? Yeah, obviously it was very disappointing. If you were a race goer in Ascot Saturday, you turn up, you look at your phone Saturday morning, you've got Constitution Hill gosh and brewing up a storm a decent race and uh, Constitution Hill probably puts them to the sword fairly easily but a couple of good horses you get to see the most hyped up novice ever really like coming into open company uh, Edward Stone running a handicap off 161 looking to to do it outside of novice company as well for the first time and Lam Press looking to put his sort of stamp on a gold cup tilt this season then as well um yeah, it was very disappointing to see all three going out because of the ground. Like, I, I've I've a number of gripes with with what what went on, uh, Saturday in Ascot. I think number one, Nicky Henderson. Fair enough, you want to run your horse on ground that's on the softer side. Nicky Henderson looked at the weather, thought, "I'm going to get a small bit of rain here. I might get soft ground come Saturday. If I do, great. I'm going to run the horse." And he wants to run the horse. He doesn't not want to run him, but 
Anyway, he doesn't get the rain. He comes out and he does an interview and says, unless the ground is watered, we're not running the horse. Now, I think that's wrong, that he's exerting so much influence, all his influence over the clerk of the course to say that if you don't water this, I'm not going to run my horse. And obviously they watered the ground. It still wasn't enough. Nico walked out, said, no, no, we're not running him. Fair enough, he's entitled not to run him, but he went harping on about the ground and all that. And I found six instances of when he's ran horses on good ground on their first run. So apparently I'm told that when a horse runs on good ground at the start of the season, it's a different type of good ground to when there is a march. That's the first thing. Yeah. So ground, good ground at the start of the season has had very little rain all summer. Where you compare it to good ground in March, the ground's been cut up all winter and it's sort of coming back. It's drying out and it's coming back towards good ground. So there's yeah. a bit more of a cut in it, I suppose, for want of a better word. That's the first thing. Second thing, horses and their season and reappearance often carrying a bit more condition and take the races a bit harder. So... Nicky's really worried that if he ran Constitution Hill on Saturday that he'd be sitting in his box for the year. That is a load of fucking bullshit. Six instances here where he's ran horses and top class horses on good ground on their first run. My tenter yours ran on good to good, good ground in the fight in fifth. He was at his best on good to soft ground. That season after running the fight in fifth he ran four more times. Wasn't jarred up. Simon Sig ran in Ascot on good ground. Simon Sig's career best run was on heavy ground. Simon Sig ran four more times that season. Oscar Whiskey ran in the same race in Ascot that Constitution Hill was supposed to run in. He fell that day. That was good ground. He ran five more times that season. His best ever run came on heavy ground. Fusa Raffles ran in Utoxer, a summer track with good ground. He ran five more times that season after that season of reappearance. His best runs on, on race and post ratings were on good to soft and soft ground. Mr. Fisher, only two weeks ago in the Paddy Power, lined up after 200 and something days off, carrying top weight 12 stone. Two of his three best runs have came on soft ground, yet Nicky Henderson ran him on good ground. He had one joint career best race and post rating in Sandown, on spring ground <coughs> excuse me that was good ground but as I said already good ground in the spring is different to good ground in November and the last one then is Epitant that ran in the fight in fifth on good ground she'd go on to have three more runs that season and her best form is on good to soft so Nikki has no problem running horses on good ground okay Killian so with that in mind if you're saying that you know, he's done it before, he's ran horses on good ground and then run them on softer ground and they've had good seasons, etc, etc. Why do you think he hasn't run Constitution Hill at the weekend? I think he hasn't run him because he didn't get his way. He wanted the ground watered. He wanted, obviously he wanted softer ground and he didn't get his way and he said, fuck this, I'm going to Newcastle next weekend and that's what he's done and Hopefully he runs them in the fight in fifth against Epitant and it'll be a great race. But he came out and said the ground wasn't safe. In that race, Goshen and Bruin up a storm. Two horses that go far, far better on soft ground than good ground ran on the good ground. Nicky said if he ran Constitution Hill, he'd be jarred up and he wouldn't run for the rest of the season. Gary Moore 
and Ollie Murphy ran their horses on ground that Nicky Henderson said wasn't safe for racing. He made pigs of the two of them by saying what he said. As if to say Gary Moore and Ollie Murphy haven't a notion as to what's going on. Yeah, yeah, and Goshen obviously does like this after ground himself. Yeah, to be honest, like looking at it, I just think he's just been careful for the horse. And I don't think there's anything too wrong with what he's done. Maybe he's just trying to, you know, exert pressure um, on the clerk of the course and maybe throw a bit of a strop and just lay down a marker, uh, you know, because he, he fairly ruined <laughs> to an extent. You know, it was it was a kick anyway uh, to Ascot for the day to, to not have Constitution Hill running. So maybe it's just him trying to exert authority on the situation. But to be honest, like, all horses are different. And I think that's that's what it boils down to. And Constitution Hill is probably a class above a lot of those horses there. Um, and he just doesn't want to take any risks. You know, if there was a superstar in the race, say if Honeysuckle was in the race and he comes out with that excuse, then then I'd be saying, OK, he's running. Uh, he's running from Honeysuckle, possibly. He doesn't want to he doesn't want to clash with her until March or whatever. But there was nothing of real star quality in the race. So I don't know why um, why he'd be running from that race. Um, you know, but look, we had another situation, I suppose, similar with Edward Stone. Edward Stone was pulled out. Yeah, I think everyone knows my um, opinion on Alan King. Like, Alan King is two good horses. Edward Stone, two top-class horses. Edward Stone overjumps and Trushan on the flat. I don't know if anyone's a flat fan here, but all summer... He was willy won't he with Trushan on ground that was good to soft. Trushan wants a bog. And he was entering the horse on ground descriptions that were good. Declaring the horse on ground descriptions that were good. And then wait until half an hour before the race to withdraw the horse. A load of fucking shit. He's done the same with Edward Stone now two weeks in a row. Same point as I mentioned with Nicky. Like, he's ran horses before on good ground. Fair enough, you want to... Be a bit more careful with your stable star. Same as what Nicky's doing. But like, why are you declaring these horses on ground you know is going to be good if you don't want to run them? That's, that's my point. Like, Yeah, what I've, the argument I've heard actually quite a bit lately and to be honest, I don't, I, I don't know enough about it to say yes, it's right or no, it's wrong. But what I do know is I'm following racing for years and this only seems to be some sort of a recent phenomenon. That, uh, that is going on you know so you've got I think it was Ruby was the first to say it about horses weight at this time of year they're carrying extra condition and uh, that combined with the good ground is a reason not to run them now as long as I've been following racing I've never heard that until recently as a reason not to run a horse uh, on a specific ground so early in, early in the season and it feels as if one person has said it and now everybody is latching onto it. But it's never it's never been said before for years, not that I've heard anyway. Um, you know, so I, I don't get that myself. With Edward Stone, you know, he obviously I think he possibly cowered a bit of uh cowered it out of the race at Cheltenham two weeks ago against Nube Negra. You know, I think he avoided that possibly because Nube Negra was in the race. And if that is the case I wouldn't be blaming Alan King too much because it's not Alan King's fault that there's so many different options for these top class horses in the UK that they're able to avoid each other, avoid each other, avoid each other all year until they meet in March. Like that's 
that that's a product of the environment that they're in. That's the BHA's fault that's enabling the BHA have the fixture list. They're enabling this to happen every year where you have uncompetitive racing throughout the year and then the clash in Cheltenham. I wouldn't be blaming any trainer in the UK for avoiding a race because there's another top-class horse in it. That's not the trainer's fault. That's the BHA's fault. If you have a more concise fixture list, with I don't know how how big of it, it is a big job, I'm sure, to change it the way it's gone now, um, you know, because different tracks won't obviously want to be losing fixtures and whatnot, but it's the BHA's fault. And I could go on, I could talk all day about the BHA, and I'll probably talk about him later on. I have very little time for him. Going back to Gordon last year, you know, like, what business is it of the BHA to be going on about what's happening over here under the IHRB's umbrella? You know, just uh, their total and utter incompetency of the BHA. And again, the, the, I'm, I'm going on a rant. The, the whip rules, you know, it was obviously announced maybe six months ago that these new whip rules were coming into effect. And like, Ted Walsh said it on RTE a couple of years ago that you can't be pandering to those outside of racing and bending the rules for them because they won't be happy until there's no racing whatsoever. So you look at the whip rules. Forehand, backhand, pure and utter nonsense. Because those who don't like racing, and that's why the BHA are changing these rules, make no bones about it. They're trying to improve their image uh, among the, the public um, in, in the UK. But the public who aren't interested in racing see a whip. They don't see what way it's been held. Whether you're holding it in the forehand, the backhand, or in between your fingers, they don't see it. They see a horse being hit with a whip. So all you're doing is ruining the sport, the spectacle, and possibly making it more dangerous for jockeys. Because it needs to be used in, in many situations other than actually trying to... Uh, you know, trying to finish in the best possible position. It's also used, you know, if they're if they're going to run out and uh, and to correct them. You know, uh, we say that even the padded whip, like that, was probably no harm. But again, the whip was changed to pander to people outside of racing, and now they're changing how the whip is held. So you're just moving the goalposts every time it comes to the whip. So how how many time more times are we going to change it? Can you not see that we're eventually just going to get to a situation here where there's going to be no whip? Um, you know, another situation even is the fences. You know, look at the Grand National fences, how they've changed over the last 10 or 15 years. And I don't know anybody in racing who had an issue with how the fences were 15 or 20 years ago. You know? I, I can't think of anybody who ever complained in racing about the way the fences were. What I can think of is all these articles in the Sun, in the Star, about these tree huggers uh, given out about the size of the fences that horses jump and horses dying, etc, etc. Now look, I don't want to see a horse dying. I don't think anybody in racing wants to see a horse die. But I think we're all accepting of the fact that unfortunately that's part of the game. So you look at them Grand National fences now and it's meant to be an extreme test to jumping and now, fuck it, the top half of it falls apart when something jumps through it. And again, that's just pandering to people outside of racing. 
they got easy fix in and now less horses fall less horses die and the tree huggers are happy the product of national hunt horse racing and i am sick of the bha and thank god here in ireland the ihrb have not gone to the extent that the bha have gone to just yet I'm sitting here beside James and I can see the steam coming out of his ears. So I suppose this is a good time to take a quick break and we'll come back. So after that short intermission, we're going to move on to a lovely feel-good story from uh, Shark Hanlon. It was announced there this evening that Cape Gentleman, formerly of Emmett Mullins's, is now with the Shark and he'll be aimed at a tilt for the Grand National in April in Aintree. Um, the Shark obviously did some serious schmoozing over in Far Hills. He's managed to convince a group of Yanks to buy the horse. So fair play to him and hopefully it goes well for him. Yeah, I've, I've calmed down a bit, but that's great for the Shark. We're big fans of the Shark here. We're big fans of Mouse Morris, John Ryan, Oliver McKiernan, all these boys. You know, we, we love them here. So that's that's great to see. Yeah, and I think they've. it was a fair figure they paid for him too. So it's nice to see someone actually putting a bit of faith in Shark and saying, here's a two or 300,000 horse, as opposed to Shark looking for bargains and trying to trying to improve them then, like really, I suppose. So very good. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see actually, you know, is it just a, a once-off investment for these American owners or are they going to now go ahead and buy a few more? Because there was an article there in the Irish field it's going back to about April time and uh, I just remember the headline on it. It was basically, you know, it was centred around the shark saying that he just wants one big break. He wants one big owner in the yard uh, just to give himself a right crack at it. So look, hopefully for the shark's sake and for the sake of, of national hunt racing in Ireland uh, that these American owners are going to are going to take things to another level for him. Yeah, and we touched on the Morgiana earlier and you look at the Willie Monopoly that he had on that running three, Noel Mead running the fourth. So look, we need we need trainers like like Shark Hanlon to come in and and have have horses running in top races, and the sooner the better, as far as I'm concerned. He actually gave a great interview on Look on Sunday, um, on racing TV last week. Um, acquitted himself really well, talking about setting up new syndicates and stuff and trying to get owners to meet each other. And I think it's a great idea, and hopefully it goes well for him. Yeah, and it's great to see these owners, you know, buying horses and training horses in Ireland. And again, some of that credit has to be given to Horse Racing Ireland, the IHRB, etc., etc. Even look at the McNeil family um, at the weekend. They won a bumper at Ascot and they won a bumper at Punchestown. At Ascot, they collected £2,700 and at Punchestown, they collected over six grand, six thousand two hundred euro almost. You know, so that's got to play uh, a role as well, I suppose, in attracting these new owners to the game. And again, maybe the BHA might look at their own house and get their own house in order a small bit before sticking their noses into business over at this side of the Irish Sea. Yeah, and I think the the main sort of point from from McNeil's tweet was a number of people had asked them, is there a difference in the training fees um, between Ireland and the UK? And the short answer is no, they're very, very similar. And you look at what McNeil's have in Ireland, they're with Willie, they're with Gordon, 
Um, I think they're involved in that mayor with Henry. So they're with the three big, three of the biggest owners, probably three of the most expensive owners in Ireland. Trainers, or, even. Or trainers, even, yeah. And they have um, Paul Nichols, Ollie Murphy over in England. So it's it's sort of like for like, really, um, with the top trainers each side. And it was interesting to see that training fees are, are very similar. Yeah, I suppose the the final thing to point out on that is that uh, they also did, uh, they weren't really comparing trainers. They didn't want to get into comparing trainers. They're very happy with the service they get uh, from both sides um, of the Irish Sea. And I suppose they were just flagging up uh, the difference in prize money. But uh, it, it wasn't anything against the trainers. And I promise that'll be the end of, of the BHA <laughs> for this episode anyway. For this week, I'd say the BHA will be a, a theme going through the year. <laughs> OK, so we'll have a brief look at this weekend's racing. We'll start actually uh, tomorrow. There's a racing at Turles. There's two races here that are, that are probably worth a quick mention. First of all, the first race, 12.30, uh, Beginner's Chase. You've got Churchstone, Churchstone Warrior, Indiana Jones, a second favourite. Irascible is probably the one I like here. Henry's are in good form. His form over hurdles is every bit as good as, as anything else in that race. He lost his way a small bit, we'll say, in big handicap hurdles last year, but uh, did win one conditions event. Um, again, cashback I think was second in it. You know, eight to one I think is a very fair price for him. And with nine horses in the race, you know, I'd uh, I'd probably go each way on him. So then the other race we're going to look at for tomorrow is just the qualified riders maiden hurdle. Um, the last race in the card, over two miles. Um, forgive me for the pronunciation of this. Il Ate Temps for. Willie Ile Toms I'd say it is Ile Toms <laughs> I didn't do French in school um, I did but not very well He runs for Willie He was he ran in all them good juvenile hurdles last year So he'll take a lot of beating And uh, Nucky Johnson Horse that came third in the Land Rover bumper And third on Hurdles debut um, Runs as well Pat Taft takes off seven from him He's probably the one that'll follow him home But uh, interesting to see that Willie's horse was actually sold from JP's to a syndicate. Uh, rare you'd see JP sell a horse, so he could be in. He could be fucked really, like if JP's getting rid of him. Yeah, yeah, it's something you never see actually. Uh, that's that's well noted. Looking at Goran on Saturday, not actually a, a great card really. It's a going is heavy there at the moment too. Um, so at least there'll be there'll be no horses saying that they're not going on, on good ground like we had a, in England last week. But uh, again, it's a nice beginner's chase there. Journey with me, Manila Cocooner, uh, Saint Felician, and what do you want? You know, if even if two of them turn up, you know, you'll you'll have a nice race there anyway. Oh, like you don't even need to talk about this. About five more in it that could make it a really really good race. Slip of the tongue for JP. Porrick Roach, Sam's Profile is a decent horse, but he was over hurdles. Uh, Largy Debu, IA Connect, Falcano. Like, it's if even if half the field is withdrawn, it's going to be a really good race still. Um, look, it's hard to know when you don't have the declarations, but um, hopefully we'll see a few of these out. Uh, Journey with me making his chase debut. Same with Manella Kakuna. They'd be sort of the two top ones I'd be looking at. What do you want then as well? 
the only other race that's standing out uh, at Gorn to me on Saturday uh, is the 2.15. You've a maiden hurdle there, Facile Vega, uh, starting off possibly over two miles. Hunter's Yarn is another one that that's in that race that is quite interesting. But uh, it will all revolve around whether Facile Vega runs or not. Um, it's quite exciting seeing these uh, superstars of last year's bumpers uh, coming out uh, for their seasonal reappearance. But uh, I'm always a bit wary of bumper horses. Uh, you know, the, the top ones. And there can be a lot of hype around them and it doesn't always actually uh, transpire. But Facile Vega looks, looks like uh, he could be the real deal. Yeah, he probably does look the real deal. Um, I don't really care if Fasal Vega runs or wins, to be honest. Uh, it's made in hurdle. Um, he's, his runs are going to c- really only count in, in grade races. Uh, Kalanisi star is entered here uh, for my 10 to follow. Um, I'll tell you one thing. Two miles won't be his trip. But if it's heavy ground in Goran Park, he won't embarrass himself if he runs against Fasal Vega. I guarantee you that. So uh, keep an eye out for him. Okay, very good, very good. Yeah, so then Navin on Sunday is actually uh, is a lovely card, really. Uh, you know, there's there's big fields of entries, we'll say there, and uh, and you know a lot of horses standing off the page. I suppose starting off at the twelve fifty there, the man driving Duvan, Madman's game. There's a few more in there. What do you make of it? Yeah, it's a cracking race. Well, it should be if a few of them turn up, like Glenn. Cl- Grange Clare West for Willie um, Kuda Shiva for Henry de Bromid was a big expensive point to point horse uh, same colours as Eklat Jarir. Um yeah it looks a cracking race if a few of them turn up so you'd hope that um, yeah Kalanisi Star is entered in um, in that race too um, I think that had suited him more two and a half miles as opposed to the two miles at Gorn but Ground is yielding at the moment. I don't remember the last time the Tritown card was yielding ground. It's normally heavy, isn't it? You might know more. No, it's not actually. Last year it was uh, it was good to soft. I think yeah, uh, it was uh, it was quite decent ground there last year too. But uh, I think it was actually quite a dry year last year. I remember a lot of horses took a while to come out on that. But uh, the man driving Duvan obviously won his bumper. Wasn't uh, mightily impressive or anything like that. But he definitely looked like the step up and trip and that would suit him. So it'll be interesting here seeing him in a maiden hurdle and that over two and a half miles. It will be more his trip um, and probably in time he'll go up again, you'd imagine. But, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see him uh, jump something uh, in public rather than uh, the bumpers. But uh, 120, the Monksland Novice Hurdle, grade three. A nice little race. We spoke about this uh, a couple of weeks ago as well. I know I was very sweet on Tree Card Bragg, just saying that we we need to see him up in trip, and he's up in trip here, uh, running in over two mile four. He'd be one that I'd be very interested in in seeing. I think that uh, this will unlock a serious improvement in him. Now, American Mike is in the race, so a lot probably hinges on his participation in it. And Gordon Elliott at Nevin, he probably will be declared, I'd imagine. Um, so look, we'll see. But I reckon Shrikard Bragg, if he's in a two, you know, he'll he'll probably come home in second, possibly. 
Yeah, Chai Cardberg is a horse I like a lot. I like In the Pocket for uh, Henry de Bromhead and um, J.P. McManus as well. So it'll be interesting to see what's declared. But yeah, you'd imagine it's it's American Mike's to lose on just on he had a nice hurdle debut and just on sort of known bumper form then as well. Um, so then the next sort of big one on the card is the the Grade B handicap, the Tritown Steeplechase. Um, look, it's a lot of familiar names here. It's going to be the same horse you've seen running races like the Munster National, Kerry National. So we're better to start them with Bustleton, uh, rather fortunate winner of the Kerry National when Hewitt came down at the last. But you'd imagine that he'd, he'd have a right chance in this again, sort of on this this sort of fresh ground. Um, he wouldn't want it any any softer than than what he's getting here. So I, I'd be inclined to give him a chance. I think he'll be. He'll be there, thereabouts again. Would you? Yeah, I actually wouldn't be too gone on him. Uh, he's off 149, or written 149. I don't know how much improvement he has in that. I think his improvement, uh, I don't know if he's much better horse than 149. Um, you know, so I actually would be would be steering clear of him myself. Farkla is one that, uh, that would interest me. You know, he was quite fancied for the Irish National uh, last year. I think he was brought down or he fell. But uh, he ran. He only had one other start last year, and that was in this race, uh, where he finished second. He's fourteen to one with Ladbrokes. He's two pounds higher now uh, than he was last year, but two pounds should be no bother to him. Um, in that a shame, obviously, you'd imagine uh, we'll go very close to after finishing second there in the Munster National. And uh, another one that I like, I suppose, is a uh, schoolboy hours for Noel Mead. This horse seems to go very well fresh and um, rated 140. You know, he'll have to be on the top of his game. But uh, he was second at Leopardstown last year in the Paddy Power. And, uh, you know, I just think that going fresh, Noel Meads are going well as well. Uh, I think that he could be there, thereabouts. And then sort of the last race we're going to look at uh, for this weekend and on this card at Navin is the beginner's chase. Um few nice types entered here. Duffel coat, get my drift, good time Johnny, journey with me. But the one I really like is um a horse called Percy Warner with Henry de Bromhead. Um it's gonna be his first start for Henry. He was he's ran twice for Gordon Elliott, uh winning both starts, won a maiden hurdle in Navin in December twenty twenty. And then won a hurdle race in Fairy House in January 2021. Obviously, he's been off the track quite a long time and he must have had his problems. But if you look at his maiden hurdle form, flank and manoeuvre for Noel Mead and Jigginstown, another horse that had plenty of trouble off the track, finished in second. Uh, he went on to finish nine lengths behind Bob Ollinger in the Lawlers of Nace. So, like, that was a pretty strong maiden hurdle there. Uh, it was 15 and 16 lengths back to third. So they really pulled clear that day. Um, I'd be interested to see what can be done with him over fences. Uh, also in the race is Slip of the Tongue, as we mentioned earlier. And uh, Field Door might make his chase debut then as well. Yeah, and I'm just going to go quickly back uh, a couple of races. Uh, there's a handicap hurdle there at 10 to 2. And just one that stood out to me was a rebellious scale. So he finished second to Jungle Pros, who we've already spoke about um, on this podcast, at Down Royal. That was the second of Jungle Pros' three wins. 
Uh, he ran very well that day. He was three lengths off him. The two of them pulled well clear um, of third. Uh, he was Rebellious Gale was eight lengths clear third. I'd imagine he won't be a huge price. Um, you know, we'll we'll know more after the declarations and see how competitive it it is. But uh, you know, he'd be one that I'd be keeping an eye on, uh, and you might get some sort of a decent price on him. Our last section of the podcast today then is our weekend selections. Just from discussing it with you, James, I don't know, is there is there much point to really saying these now today without the declarations unless it's something you really, really fancy. I got stung last week, adamantly chosen, wasn't declared for Punchestown and I'm still a bit sickened because he'd have absolutely hacked up in that race. Um, midnight run wasn't much of a yardstick, so... Um, I I think we might hold off and we might release it on our Twitter page then Friday night or Saturday morning. Yeah, I think I think that's the way to go, and uh, we've purposely skipped uh, the British racing for this weekend as well, um, in protest <laughs> of uh, of all those non-runners last weekend. We're not going to waste our time and your time um, on talking about that for the time being, but we may include um, some British racing in our tweets uh, later on towards the end of the week. Yeah, definitely. I think we made a point of it when we started this as well. It was going to be centred around Irish racing and maybe if there was Irish runners over in England for the weekend, we'd touch on those. I think that's what we sort of have done. Now, we went on a bit of a tangent today with Constitution Hill and Edward Stone, etc. and the whips and all that. But hopefully now next week, going back to, to Irish racing, it'll be sort of better suited. Um, so the last piece then today is just going to be our Cheltenham tips. So first week I put up Sir Gerhard for the Turner's Novice Chase. I still don't know is he going to go chasing or not, but who knows. Uh, James had uh, Banbridge for the Arca last week, so keeping with um, heart races over fences, I'm going to go with Ellie May for the Mayor's Chase. Um, I think if you look back at Ellie May's form over the last few years, she doesn't do well in the autumn. She's a spring horse. Um, I think spring horse with one or two runs in mind is really what she's going at um i saw she was seven to one with betfair pushed out from i think fives you might get bigger elsewhere bet three six five or nine to one um you know she's going to be primed for the race so i think she's worth the chance at that price she didn't run too badly like she probably takes a bit of time to get fully right too so i'm happy to forgive her these runs I think, especially after the way she ran last season, she was over in England for a race, ran terrible. So, if, provided she hasn't fallen out of love with the game, which is what mares can do too. But I, I think she's she's a fair price at eight or nine to one there for the mares chase, and I'm happy to put her up. Okay, very good. Uh, the best to look with that. I suppose that brings us to the to the end of our podcast, podcast number four. Uh, thanks very much for listening. Uh, I hope you got through it, and it was an easy enough listen. Uh, keep an eye on our Twitter. We'll have uh, we'll have a few picks there on Friday evening uh, for the weekend's racing. So all the best.